Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And the Oscar goes and to. And the Oscar goes and the Oscar to. Oscar goes to. Gentlemen, my only object in being here is to try and get at the truth. What shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking at you, kid. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Could have been a contender. Fasten your I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I done? Call me. Mr. Welcome to the next Best Picture Podcast. Moonlight, Best Picture. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 59 of the Next Best Picture podcast. I am your host, Matt Neglia, and joining me today, we have a full house of people. We have Mr. Michael Schwartz. Good morning, everyone. Mr. Will Mavity. Hi, guys. And returning from last week's episode, she is gracing us with her presence again. It is Deanne Kiazese, everybody. Yes, you suckers. You had me back. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Deanne. Last week on the show, I want to just say up front, um, we had a lot of positive uh, responses from people who uh, reached out and said that they absolutely loved having you on. So I wanted to just first of all say thank you so much for being a welcome presence. (laughs) Thank you. It was my pleasure. I had a great time. I learned some things about myself. For example, now I know I'm a very active listener. And so when other people are talking, I make a lot of noises (laughs) as well in podcasts. So I'm going to work on that this week. That's my goal. Now, what kind of noises are we talking? Are these like squeaks? mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) You know active listening it works really well in the workplace but yeah uh, yeah I, I hear you on that it creates a lot of editing for me is what it comes down to <laughs> that's right so I'm gonna I'm gonna work on this for you all right all right um, guys we have a lot to talk about this week uh, quite a lot of bullet points to address uh, first and foremost uh, you know one of the things I wanted to come right out and talk about right off the bat is I wanted to talk about the things that maybe we caught up on this week and I wanted to lead first with uh, something that I saw that um, I don't believe anyone else here has seen yet and that is I, I uh, saw Guillermo del Toro's uh, film The Shape of Water last night Fuck. Uh, out here in New York I've been attending the New York, the New York Film Festival which I also will get into and in- a second here but we also have the hamptons film festival which takes place out on eastern long island which is where i live and despite still being on long island it's like a 75 mile drive it's about an hour and a half not terrible i mean there was no traffic so i kind of like breezed my way over there i am actually going again tonight for three billboards outside ebbing missouri and then i'm going to kick myself after that because there are other films playing that i uh, did not get a chance to see that I wish I had, like I, Tanya, Darkest Hour, Breathe, Novitiate. Oh, shit. Yeah, they have a lot, a lot of stuff playing there, and I only was able Matt, to get it's these. it's time to quit your job and just get your ass out there for the rest of the week. Right? Uh, I was thinking that. No, not really. I hope nobody's listening <laughs> from there. Um, but in any event, though, I was able to get these two tickets because I had to, you know, make 
big decisions on which were the two films I wanted to see the most. Shape of Water was one and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri was the other. So Shape of Water. Okay. This is a surefire Best Picture nominee. Coming right out and saying it. Uh, Guillermo del Toro, I think it's his time. I think it's the right kind of film. And I think that a Best Director nomination would be very, very deserved. The film just has a very, very nice natural flow to it. It's got terrific pacing. The camera has such like fluidity. Um, there is careful care put into every single character in the screenplay. Every character is given a unique characteristic that makes them feel just very fleshed out. Like nobody feels wasted in this whatsoever. So like Stuhlbarg, Shannon, Spencer, Jenkins all completely phenomenal and in my opinion i think it could stand a chance at the sag ensemble nomination as a result of that to tell you the truth oh yeah it I sounds like in there it. for quite a bit yeah and sally hawkins i know in the past that i didn't have her in my predictions prior before seeing the film but that was only because i was doing the whole oh it might get in everywhere and pull an arrival and maybe a mrs actress yeah those early she days has one scene in the movie that is by far the showcase reel moment for uh, like her Oscar highlight and it's a scene between her and Richard Jenkins and it's just phenomenal and she conveys so much emotion without words that I think that a lot of people within the acting branch and the Academy in general are going to be very impressed by it. Do you think she can win? (sighs) That's tougher. Um, that's, yeah. that, that's, that's very tough this early on. I, you know, I haven't seen I, Tanya, I haven't seen Molly's game. I haven't seen wonder wheel. Well, not uh, the competition, but just the performance itself. Is it something you can see them giving the win to? Yeah. Is there enough there? I feel like in the nineties, this is the kind of performance that would win because you know, it's like a disability role, you know, which is like Oscar bait in many ways. Nowadays, I I'm less sure. Um, I need the film to be a bigger threat in like Best Picture, and maybe even be you know one of the front runners. And granted, I think it is one of the five. If this was like a year of five, I I think it's one of the five. Oh sure. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know. I have her right now. I believe at number three. Well, that's very good. Yeah. And then you said there's a great supporting cast. I've heard a lot of people talking about Richard Jenkins. Jenkins is fine. It's not Academy worthy. Really? I've is he just of- the comic relief? He's got quite a few moments that are funny. He's got some heartwarming moments, but the performance is not the central focus of the film, and it's not something that they're going to go for in a very big way. Um, now, he plays her gay neighbor, right? Yes. Okay, and I've heard that he's sort of like the heart in a lot of scenes. Uh, no, she is. Oh, okay. Well, I look. Forward. I mean, he ha- he has some emotional moments. Don't get me wrong. Where you have sympathy for him, for sure. Because, like I said, each character, even Michael Shannon, who's supposed to be like the the villain, we actually get some insight into his own personal life uh, that helps to really flesh his character out more too. Same thing with Octavia Spencer. Like everybody's got really, really three dimensional characters, and I was Fuck just inside. really, really taken aback by that because I thought that they would just be more like background players. But each character feels just so fleshed out, and it really created for um, a movie experience that was um, whimsical, beautiful, transcendent. Uh, I, I I can't think of other words. I, I'm making a prediction right now. Um, it will be in Michael's top ten. Oh, I'm thinking like top three. I think it will be in all of our top tens, probably. It's already in mine. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but it's in mine. <laughs> it will. It will. It will not be in mine. Uh, it. It's uh, 
it's in my top 20. But there's something about it. I saw it with my sister and on the drive home, we both said how much we really, really liked it. Uh, we really enjoyed it. It was worth the drive and everything was great. And then there was like an awkward pause moment. There was like a silence. And then I turned to her and I said, but did you love it? And she was like, yeah, no, I, I thought it was fine. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm like, why are we not enthusiastic about it? What's going on here? And then I was like, we need to, we need to talk this out. I'm like, why, why are we both not like saying how much we love this movie and we're gushing over it? What, what's, what's holding us back? And to be honest with you guys, I still don't know if I've quite figured it out yet. Um, I, I need to refer to my notes and I need to reflect on the film a little bit more because something is holding me back from giving this like a nine out of 10. Uh, I'm in, I'm in the eight out of a 10 range right now. And if I was doing 0.5s, it would be an 8.5, just so that you guys know. <laughs> so something about it is holding it back for me, but I, I can't quite say what it is. I, um, my sister brought up an interesting point, which was that she she understood what the movie was trying to say in terms of its themes about love. Um, I understood it as well. We both had this fear, and we both use our parents as an example all the time of – um, how will general audiences respond to this movie? And we both kind of concluded uh, the general audiences are going to be like, oh, that's very weird. She has a romance with a fish. That's weird. You know what I mean? <laughs> but they bought Beauty and the Beast. But Beauty and the Beast is something that was an animated children's film before it was a live action film with masturbation, full frontal nudity, and all the other stuff that's contained within this movie. Yeah, I mean, the Academy's changing, but there are still plenty of the old guard who might get weirded out by that. I think it's still, I don't don't want to say this in terms of it being a being weirded out like it's not going to do well or it's not going to get into picture or anything like that the nominations are in my opinion lock and loaded the window is going to be maybe a tad bit difficult because um especially the way it approaches uh sex um is something that i think that people are going to just be a little just eked out by they got behind her Mm, yeah i mean i'll tell you this much It, it it definitely it definitely puts Sally Hawkins in a, in a pretty good position overall, I would think, for an actress win. Uh, like I said, I have her number three right now. Um, but the picture itself winning winning best picture, I I just can't see it happening because of um, bec- just because of the of that of that subject matter. Now, tell us about tech nominations. Uh, what do you see coming from there? Cinematography and score, obviously. Production design, definitely. Yeah. I have it winning production design, and I have it winning score. How about costumes? No. I've heard good things. Yeah, costumes are, uh, they don't, uh, listen, here's the thing with costumes. In a weak year, um, yes, and it might prove to be a weak year, but I think maybe just because I've seen so much this year, I could probably come up with other nominees that could fill that lineup uh, better than Shape of Water can. Now, if if it is an across-the-board contender and it is heading towards like 10 nominations or something like that, costumes is something it could easily pick up. But for right now, in terms of text, I have it in cinematography, production design, original score, sound editing, and sound mixing. What about makeup? Uh, no. Really? Oh, really? Not even for the creature? Well, outside of the creature, that's all it is. Hmm. I just I, the makeup branch is just so weird. I don't see yeah, that being enough. We can never predict it, but bear in mind they love Del Toro films. 
And if they just campaigned on that creature alone, that could be something right there, especially if they love the movie. Especially if they love the movie. But that's that's the thing, though, and that's what I'm trying to get at here. I, I, I feel like the love will be there. I just don't think it's going to be over-the-moon enthusiastic love. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yep. Uh, okay, so Shape of Water, definitely check it out when it comes your way. It's it's pretty it's pretty phenomenal. Uh, the storytelling by this master storyteller Guillermo del Toro is just aces. It's it's his best film since Pan's Labyrinth. However, I do prefer Pan's Pan's Labyrinth to The Shape of Water. Uh, alrighty, next thing on the list here. Let's talk about uh, NYFF for a minute here in terms of uh, some of the films I saw there. So that I can continue answering all of y'all questions. Uh, first film I saw uh, right off the bat, I'll, I'll work my way up. Um, Thelma. Anyone have any questions about Thelma? I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's a, yeah, how do, of all the things in NYFF, how did you choose Thelma? Uh, the trailer intrigued me. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's really all it came down to. The trailer intrigued me. Um, and it's a you know psychological horror film. It's not a straight horror film. It's like a pseudo-sexual, um, you know, like very mysterious, uh, you know, art film. It, it's it's kind of weird, that, honestly. That seems to be an ongoing theme with everything you're watching this week. Yeah, right? <laughs> she basically has like this romantic relationship with this other uh, woman when she goes away to uh, university. And the two of them... When they're together, she has like these supernatural abilities that grow stronger. When 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 the other girl is around, basically, to reveal anything more would be a to be would be a spoiler. But um, it, it's a very interesting movie. Let's put it that way. Uh, not a foreign language film contender, though. However, what is a foreign language film contender is the Palm Door winner, which I saw of the Square. I want to see that so badly. It looks so absurd. It is. Oh my god, it's so bizarre. And it's so will, I'm telling you, it is best watched with a theater full of people who love movies because I can't help but feel like if you watch this movie with a theater full of like older people, um it will be that much of an enjoyable experience <laughs> because this movie is just flat out weird, but it embraces how weird it is and how absurd it is cuz it's poking fun at um the way that we view art. You know, there's even a line in the movie where he says, if I took, like, your your bag and I simply just placed it over there and I called it art, would you think it was? And it's it's just interesting how the film has all these uh, bizarre, unusual, satirical moments. And, you know, you look at it and you say to yourself, oh, my God, is this the most brilliant movie I've ever seen? Or is it the most pretentious movie I've ever seen? I really have no idea. <laughs> I mean, you'd probably say the same thing about Force Majeure, right? So, I mean, that seems to be a, uh, a trend in his work. Also... You know, it, it shows Andy Serkis wasn't doing anything special, right? There's another great ape in this. <laughs> it's, it's true. It is true. There is a scene involving a man playing an ape at a dinner party. That is one of the best scenes I've seen so far this year because of just how committed this actor is to making this ape seem so authentic and real and it's it's like just baffling everybody in the room because everybody in the room is thinking oh this is very nice oh this is a very nice piece of performance art oh how lovely and then it gets like really serious because the guy that's playing the performance is like like really into it to the point where it starts getting dangerous and it makes everybody just more uncomfortable and then the just the you could feel the tension in the room just going nuts and it, it, it oh it's just really freaking fantastic 
really, 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 really unique movie, uh, for sure. Uh, First Reformed, coming out in April of 2018. Uh, At least that's what they say right now. Paul Schrader was uh, in attendance to uh, introduce the film. He wrote and directed it. It stars Ethan Hawke, Amanda Seyfried, and... (laughs) From what I understand, this movie was so hot, it set off the fire alarm for the theater. <laughs> that is exactly what I was going to say. The fire alarm went off during the screening. <laughs> and, and to be honest, in this day and age, with everything that's going on in our world, I, I was scared I was scared shitless, actually, because I didn't know, obviously, what it was. Um, but we, you know, we went back in the theater. They kind of reset the film back, like, one minute from where we left off, and we just continued watching it. Um yeah, this film is dark. This is a very dark movie. And it has a very, very, very ambiguous, potentially very frustrating ending. There was a collective gasp in the audience when the credits rolled um, after it cut to black. Jesus. So, wow. Uh, and Ethan Hawke is astonishing. Well, usually he brings some levity, but it doesn't sound like it. Oh, Ethan? Yeah. Uh, this... This is a very, this is a very, very serious movie, <laughs> very serious film, um, and it, I, I love its screenplay because I love that it is uh, confronting questions about. Well, let me put it to you this way: it has the exact same themes that Mother does. It just puts those themes forward in probably a little bit more uh, upfront and intellectual way, as opposed to an ambiguous artistic way. Hmm. I'll leave. I'll leave. I'll leave it at that. So not going to be an Oscar contender just because it's going to be too much for them. Yeah, it's too weird. It's too dark. The release date, uh, spring of 2018. Yeah, like that's going to work. So, yeah, no. Um, It'll definitely be something that art house crowds can check out in the spring when they're bored. Uh, Next up was Lady Bird, Greta Gerwig's film. And here's where I stand on it right now. Lori Batcalf is a shirt thing. And supporting actress. That's so good to hear. She's amazing. Yep. Uh, there is a scene that she has where it's the Michael Clayton ending credit shot. <laughs> and it camera just holds on her and it's perfect. And it, it just I was like, oh, that's it. I was like, she she has the, the scene. And I was like, they're they're going to go for it. And she's going to get the nomination uh, after that. This is where my skepticism starts to come in because after that, uh, the next tier where it's like, oh my God, it's so close to getting a nomination just to cr- the field is just so crowded is original screenplay. It'd be a great way to give Greta Gerwig some recognition. Um, I just, original screenplay is just crazy right now. Yeah. Um, something's got to move out like the post in order for that field to just open up. It is it is just insanity. Unless the post goes adapted or something like that. Or, I, uh, yeah, but I've been I've been asking around. Um, the book that the real-life protagonist would be played by Meryl Streep wrote apparently was never optioned. So, I mean, it's gonna be a stretch. You can't just redact things and change them and say, oh, never mind, we did base it on this if there wasn't anything to start with in the screenplay that was actually based on the work. It's just like Darkest Hour, you know? Like, they're they're publishing a book now based on the script of the Darkest Hour, but you can't spin that as it's adapted, you know? I didn't know that the rewrites on the post had then gone back to previous material. Mm. 
Also, too, I thought Darkest Hour, I thought we were still unsure if that was adapted or original. There's, I mean, Ta- no, Tapley said those reports were mistaken um, a few weeks ago. And I, there, there is nothing to indicate from anyone that it will be adapted. Um, God help us all. That that original, I'm telling you guys, original screenplay, hearts are going to be broken in that category this year. I've heard that Darkest Hour reviews keep going down and down. And not to the point that it'll no longer be a Best Picture nominee or something. But I think if something's got to give in that category, that's an easy one to fall out for screenplay. Sure. Uh, not for picture, yeah. Just because it sounds like A, with the changing academy, and B, with the reviews going down from rapturous to good, you know, it's it's not going to be a top five contender probably. So It makes me wonder if... because uh, Joe, Joe Wright can miss out? Yeah, it makes me wonder about Joe Wright for sure. And another director nominee, which I will talk about in just a second here. My boy Martin? Nope. Uh, uh, going back to Lady Bird, though, for a minute. The next tier of nominations it could possibly get are uh, Best Picture and Best Actress, which I definitely think it's in the hunt for, but uh, not really. I, I I love Saoirse Ronan in this movie so much. Um, I love her in the same vein as much as I loved her in Brooklyn. And my my original comparison from when I saw the trailer rung true after I saw the film, and I still believe it. Um, Lady Bird is The Edge of Seventeen meets Brooklyn. Well, that sounds wonderful. Wow, that sounds great. Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, so it's very Greta Gerwig, though, that character that she's portraying, right? Absolutely. You can... And the reason why the movie, I think, resonates so well, and I think why it just, it's the same reason why The Big Sick worked. You know that that script is written from a very personal place. You could just feel it. Another question on Metcalf. It seemed like in the trailer that she was really present in that movie. I mean, you think there's any controversy about her not necessarily being supporting? Uh, no, no, not at all. No, this it's, is, it's very clear. Yeah, okay. this is Saoirse Ronan's movie, 100%. Okay. Um... And yeah, that's really all I have to say on Lady Bird. It is delightful. Go see it. It is it is wonderful. It's also going to make Michael's top 10 this year. I can't wait to see it. And uh, it goes into limited release, I think, November 3rd. Mm-hmm. But I just heard that it will, we, I can't talk, it will be going wide on Thanksgiving weekend. Oh, very nice. It, it's a yes, great so. mother-daughter film. It is a fantastic mother-daughter film. So, Will, bring, bring your mother. <laughs> All right, I'll do that when I'm back on the East Coast. Good to know. <laughs> All right, and then the final film uh, that I want to talk about that I saw at NYFF, and it was a long time coming. I've been waiting for this since January. I saw Call Me By Your Name. Ah, uh, is this one going to be in my top ten? All this will well? also be in Michael's top ten. <laughs> <laughs> just a lot of shorts films this year, basically. I, it just Mike, Michael's Michael's taste is just so easy to shape. It's just, it's it's insane. It would be very strange if the Jewish coming of age movie did not make my top ten. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I will admit, a tad bit overhyped. I think, just a tad, a very very tiny tad. Um, I think it's really great. Like it's really good, but I don't think it's Moonlight, and. I would say it's um, I would say it's maybe even better. I would say it's better than Carol, probably. Um, I'd, so I'd say it's better than Carol, not as good as Moonlight. If we're just talking in terms of like, you know, queer Oscar contenders over the last couple of years, you know, just make that, um, you know, that comparison. The um, the acting by Chalamet is the real deal. 
Yeah, he's very good, going all the way back to Homeland. So I'm telling you guys right now, leave him out of your best actor predictions at your own peril. No, I, I have him getting in, particularly as weak as that category is. I have him getting in without a doubt. Now, tell me if I'm crazy here, but over in supporting, I have both Army Hammer and Michael Stuhlbarg in there. You're not crazy because Stuhlbarg has, Stuhlbarg has a monologue that is really, really well written that could carry him to a nomination. However, outside of that, he's a background player um, that... The movie never focuses really on him outside of that monologue. And so it's like Viola Davis. In doubt. Yeah, it's basically like the one it's the one scene uh thing that worked for Viola in that movie. Yeah. Um But I would actually at this point I would be tempted to rank Army Hammer higher than Stuhlbarg because Hammer is a co is you could argue he's co-lead, but he probably will be campaigned and supporting. It's it's Chalamet's film. So I have heard a lot of people predict the cinematography for a nomination. No. You don't think it stands a chance? No, I don't. I think the cinematography is really well done. I think that it really captures um, the high-key uh, lighting the, that makes you feel the summer heat of being in somewhere in northern Italy. Um, and I think it also helps to give the film a very warm and cozy feel to it, which also helps with the overall feeling that the film gives off. Uh, this is a film that celebrates love. This is a film that's just all about love. Um, and as a result of that, because of how it makes you feel while watching it, it makes you just want to give the film a hug when it's over. So, I mean, the cinematography plays a role in that. See, that's how I felt during Carol. So this has me very excited. Yeah, no, it, it, you should be excited. Everybody should be excited to see this movie. This movie is really, really well done. It's just not... Let me put it to you this way. It, it's not the film that I thought Moonlight was because I thought Moonlight was groundbreaking uh, when I saw it. I thought that the concept was original. I thought the way that that film was shot was very original. I thought the way that the music was implemented was original. Like that movie had just so many unique elements to it that really helped it stand out. This is a movie that's th- th- more traditional. Yeah, more traditional. There you go. That's that's the way I would categorize it. Absolutely. But it's still just lovely. Ah, oh, it's it's fantastic. You know. So do I see it getting into picture? Yes. Do I see Luca Guadagnino getting into director now? Just about. Um, uh, yes, he's on the cusp. I'm a little unsure, though. I've taken him out right now. So, I don't know. I need but to it has see... a pretty good day either way. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, original uh, song. For song. Yes. It's probably getting in for. Uh, yeah, what about, about I, that's what I'm curious about. What about Sufjan? That his, I know he has some original, um, older m- versions in there, but he wrote some music for it. How was that? The music that was written for it is just fantastic to the point where um, it, it probably will be nominated, uh, could potentially win. It all depends on how the um, you know season shakes up a little bit more as it moves along. Um, but I see it getting a nomination for original uh, song. Uh, score, I believe, has been disqualified, though. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I believe it has a lot of pre-existing orchestral music that he had nothing to do with. So right, right. Yeah. So which is oh, a shame. oh, and by the way, just throwing this out there, um, <laughs> there is absolutely no 
way in hell because I've seen Last Flag flying at this point, and Aaron Sorkin, I don't think they're going to do it right away. The only thing that stands it, another chance at this point is the, the Disaster Artist, which I don't see happening. There is no. absolutely no fucking way that James Ivory loses the Oscar for this. Yeah. Unless something like The Post actually did move, it's pretty much locked and loaded. Yes. And, and even then, even if it moved, I mean, he's got a great narrative. He's iconic. He's 90 years old, and he's never won despite multiple nominations. I mean, he was also supposed to direct this, too. Right. And people thought there was going to be some bitterness between him and Luca. Mm. Which, there's a story sort of developing there, from what I understand. Well, maybe it's John Ridley and Steve McQueen all over again. Well, Ridley won, so there you go. There you go. Uh, So, yes, and I will say this, too. um, If Moonlight had not won last year, I think we would be talking about this as the winner. So you think it has the goods to win, but it just might not happen right away after Moonlight. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the reason why it doesn't win. Also, too, um, it's my belief that it would need something else other than the screenplay to potentially win. Maybe like one of the acting winners. Um, I, I, you know what it is too. It's like like I said, it's a film that celebrates love, and in this day and age right now, where there's just so much hate. And we're living in really, really crazy times right now. I feel like that message of love is very, very important uh, as a signifier for a Best Picture winner of our times. But Moonlight just won last year. It's just the odds are not in its favor and it's just not going to happen. And and you know what? I'm very, 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 very content with the adapted screenplay win, if it were to happen, being the way to recognize the film. I'm very okay with it. And I think everybody, once you guys see the film too, I think you guys will see that as well. So sounds good. All right. And I have a lighter week now uh, this week here at NYFF. Um, I've only got two films left to see, um, and that'll be Mudbound and Wonder Wheel. And that's it for me then with NYFF after that. So you had a good run. Yeah. No, this is uh, more than I did last year. So it's been it's been pretty successful all around. Hey, everyone. I'm Jason. And I'm Lee. And we are the Atlantic Screen Connection podcast. We look to take a magnifying glass to the films you love with a warm atmosphere and a good laugh. New releases, retrospectives, and absolute classics all reassessed and reviewed. Check out the ASC podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes or keep in the loop on Twitter by following me at film underscore faculty or Lee at Big Pick Reviews. That counts as a promo, right? Right. All right, cool. All right, well, I guess we'll cut here. See you later. (laughs) Welcome to the Atlantic Screen Connection Podcast. All right, and let's also now talk about another film that opened this week. I believe three out of the four of us have seen it. Michael, you're seeing it, I believe, tomorrow. Uh, So no spoilers here, people. Uh, Let's talk about Blade Runner 2049 and its uh, Oscar potential in this year's race. Yes, please. So, Deanne, uh, you're the guest here. I would love to start off with you. What do you think here? Sure. Well, okay, first, I really loved this movie. I rewatched, or not rewatched, I watched for the first time the original this week, which I, I can totally understand why people loved it. I, I'm a huge original Alien fan. I grew up watching that, and so the Alien movies kind of hold a place for me. So I can see how, if people have nostalgia for that original Blade Runner... I get it. I get it for sure. But for me, this this new version was far superior, um, and I had so much fun. But as far as um, awards, I keep wanting to say that I hope that Denny Villeneuve can get in there. But then I keep thinking that 
I can't put this as a best picture contender, and so I just don't see how I can put him in the director race. So unfortunately, I don't see it taking any of those big prizes, but I definitely think there's a lot to talk about in some of the other categories for this film. So it's really funny you say that, because you know what I did to justify it was I put Denis Villeneuve at number five in director, and I put the picture at number 10, where <laughs> we probably won't get 10 nominees for pictures. So right. I, uh, you know, I, I have it just missing in the end. I'm going to try it out for a little while. I'm going to, I'm going to let this ride and I'm going to see how I feel about it. I think there's a lot of people in the Academy who grew up on the original Blade Runner. You got to remember it's 35 years old, that film. There is an old guard in the Academy of people who are still around who worked on that film. There are people who also uh, just were heavily influenced by in the tech world as well. So I I think that that is a good thing working in its favor right now overall um it also helps that it's you know one of the uh most critically acclaimed highly praised films of the year right now the only thing that's hurting it is um the public reception and how well will that hold up over time with its um you know with its awards chances i mean if you're a smart person and we're all we're all pretty smart here i would say cinematography production design visual effects and the two sound categories yeah i would say those are um the nominations that it will get so those are that's five nominations and i think that that is probably the safest uh place to be right now yeah it's not getting a screenplay the writing is too thin and uh, you know it's funny i saw the book that it's adapted from at barnes and noble yesterday yes people still go to barnes and noble i still go to barnes and noble but um and and i'm thinking oh my gosh it got these two huge crazy movies out of this tiny little book so i mean obviously that just tells you i think the themes that are pulled from the original source material are probably pretty light in terms of the writing that went into that Mm. well so you were incorrect. I haven't seen it yet. I'm probably seeing it this afternoon. Ah. But I, I will say, I think the box office is really going to do it harm. I think it really needed to be a hit to contend in director or picture. So as of now, I'm keeping it entirely below the line. But I really do think Roger Deakins can win. And I think it'll win visual effects, too. Yeah, Deanne, do you think that it's going to win visual effects? I don't know. You know, I, I, I think some of the stuff that we saw there, I mean, the scene that sort of comes to my mind, right, that stands out is probably the one that involves uh, four hands and Ryan Gosling's head. Yes. Um, oh, my God. What a beautiful, <laughs> breathtaking yeah. shot that was. And it was. It, it was. And, you know, so I, I, I can see just for that that there is enough there. Um, but, I, I mean, look, I... If I can, just fangirl on this movie for a minute. This is not Oscar talk, but can I just talk about it for a minute? Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Um, I thought, you know, as a whole, this entire film was so much fun. I loved Arrival. Arrival was number two for me last year. Um, and I think this movie has a lot of similar themes. And I think um, it was very, very well executed. I thought it was interesting. I loved every minute of it. I didn't want it to end. Um, So I think that because of that, I think there's going to be enough people that are going to talk about it that I think it will continue to at least have some staying power in the box office and hopefully make up some of that ground over time. Um, 
there's some really great performances in this, although not Oscar worthy. I thought Harrison Ford was super fun and did a really good job with kind of having to take on sort of a heavy load in the third act. And um, I thought he did really well executing that. Not that I think he's going to get any award love for it. Um, But I also really dug all of the female actresses in this particular movie because I feel like if you were to put all four or five of them together into one woman, they would be a really, really well-developed <laughs> female character. But they're all kind of spread out amongst these different characters and characterizations that I find really interesting. Sylvia Hoex is going yes. to be such a freaking star after this movie. Yeah, that's who I need to talk about. I heard you mention this on your review, and I am totally with you. She fascinated me. First of all, I just have to say, anyone who can wear white, especially women who can wear white suits, you know, like Olivia Pope, um, the... it's impressive to me and she pulled that off but also she um I think her character is really interesting because um I actually got a lot more of it I know everybody's kind of calling her the badass of the movie but there's a scene kind of near the beginning that kind of paints her character in this replicant world and she's someone who um is obviously kind of doing somebody else's will and, and trying to see something through but she shows some incredible vulnerability related to watching something bad happen to somebody of her kind. Mm -hmm. And I kind of feel that even though it seems like she's maybe motivated by the person that's controlling her, I also think there's this whole other motivation for her in the movie that plays out really beautifully in terms of what she's trying to achieve and accomplish. So I think there's some real, there's some depth there and I didn't really quite realize it when I was watching it, but just as I kind of thought on it, I just appreciated her more and more. Yeah, definitely. Will, uh, you and I are score junkies. Have you listened to the score on its own yet or are you waiting to see the film? I have. I've listened to chunks of it. I mean, it sounds good and atmospheric. There don't seem to be a lot of melodies there. It's my favorite score of the year. Just throwing it out there. I like listening to it. I'm not sure it gets nominated. Yeah, um, I'm with you on that, but I just I just wanted to gush over it for a minute. Oh it. yeah, no, um, it's, it's and great. And I think listening. Deanne and I are both in agreement on this. Um, Roger Deakins is winning the Oscar, plain and simple. Yeah, this movie yes. is so beautiful. I don't buy it yet. I do not buy it yet. It's so beautiful. I'm sure I mean, there, 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 but he's lost many times before for beautiful work, and I think this movie is sort of going to fizzle out by the time of the Oscars. And Dunkirk will be on their radar still as a Best Picture nominee. So you're going with the Best Cinematography winner is going to a Best Picture nominee. Yes. Okay. I can't. I can't argue with you on that logic. You, you know that that stat has held up very well over the years. So, yeah, I can't go against you on that so much. But I will say this: I think that Blade Runner um, being a contender for things like Picture and Director is still not out of the question um but it's it's definitely very low probability i would i would argue um and i also think too that if enough think pieces and enough is you know said about deacons and you know this this role this integral role he plays in this film as the cinematographer i think that uh, that narrative can build up to a point where yes i know they don't see his name on the ballot but they will know yeah, well, that's what happened with uh, Kevin O'Connell last year, but also Hacksaw Ridge was a big contender. So I think once he has a movie that's really back in the race in a really big way, Deacons will get his due. He will get an Oscar eventually. I wanted to say for the record, Michael, that if you stubbornly do not pick him uh, to win the Oscar for cinematography and you hold on to Hoyt Van Hoytema while we're all picking Deacons and then on uh, Oscar night, Hoyt Van Hoytema does win, I will forever 
hate you. <laughs> You're going to feel different after you see it. Uh, yeah, wait, wait, wait. And this is the funny thing about that. DN, you just said the funniest thing ever to make. You know why Michael's going to love it? You guys ready for this? It's in Philly? <laughs> <laughs> no. Even even better. And, wait, uh, and Nope. Frank Sinatra. Mm. Oh, yes. Michael told me, I'll never forget this. It was like the, the trailer for like Kingsman 2. And he was like... I think I might check it out just because Frank Sinatra music is playing in the trailer. And I was like, I did say that. I remember that. <laughs> but and so, Michael, there's a scene in this movie with Elvis Presley and Frank Sinatra um, that immediately as I was watching, it, I was like, oh, Michael will find some merit in this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All will be revealed when I see it this week. Mike, if you jinx the film, we're going to drive up to Philly and beat you up with a bat. Goodfellas style. Just so you know. Jesus. Um, I will say this. I, I do predict Michael's going to hate it. Yeah, it's look, I'm sure it's a very well made movie. It's just, you know, not my type of thing. I could tell from the get go. Yeah, he's not gonna have an open mind to it, I don't I don't think. Maybe so. I'll be surprised. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? That's what happened with Arrival last year. I didn't like Arrival the first time around that it ended up on my top ten. That's true. That's true. Uh let's move over to uh last week's poll now, uh which last week's poll was about the original Blade Runner. And the question I asked was, if you could give an Academy Award to Blade Runner in 1982, what would it have been? And every single category that was listed uh, received a vote. So nothing received uh, zero picks from our uh, readers slash listeners. I want to thank you, everyone, who voted on this. Can anyone guess uh, what was voted as the number one Oscar that people wish Blade Runner had gotten in 1982? Cinematography. Score. With 25.24% of the vote, best cinematography. Yeah, I figured. It's so well shot. Can anyone guess what came in second place with 11.65%? Production design? Harrison Ford. Production design. I'm so good. And then uh, right below that, in third place, best supporting actor for Rucker Howard. I I, I, I love those rankings there. I'm really happy that, uh, you know... People didn't actually pick picture and director. Did you guys look <laughs> at 1982? That was where I was struggling. I'm like, okay, you got E.T. in there, Gandhi, Tootsie. Tootsie yeah. You have Meryl Streep for Sophie's Choice. Das Boot I mean, is I don't, in there, right? <laughs> yeah, right. I don't, I, I'm having a hard yeah, time. For me, like that's, that, that's the year where it's like E.T. wins picture. Um, ah, man, Wolfgang Peterson for Das Boot would probably be my director win. Wait, speaking of this year, I just got to go back to a conversation we had last week. I think it was off air where I think it was Will sent a message to us saying, can you imagine if Gandhi were released today and all the backlash that movie would receive for Ben Kingsley playing Gandhi and he's not even Indian? Oh. And I said, Will, Ben Kingsley is Indian. <laughs> I'll, remain, I'll remain silent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. So uh, thank you, everyone, who voted on that poll. Uh, really, really appreciate it. Once again, like I was saying before, this week's poll, though, in anticipation for The Foreigner, which is coming out this week, starring Jackie Chan, uh, Academy Award winner Jackie Chan, might I say. Yes. Uh, we are asking everyone, what is their favorite film starring Jackie Chan? And it's a long list of films. I'll just uh, read them off as quickly as I can here. Uh, we have Crime Story, Drunken Master, Drunken Master 2, The Forbidden Kingdom, The Karate Kid, Kung Fu Panda, Mr. Nice Guy, Operation Condor, Armor of God 2, Police Story, Police Story 2, 
Project A, Rumble in the Bronx, Rush Hour 2 and 3, Shanghai Noon, Super Cop, Wheels on Meals, and Who Am I? Quite a very uh, long and varied career this guy has had. It's like one of those like unlikely success stories, much like Arnold Schwarzenegger, where you know, here comes this like foreign uh, guy to our, you know, to our country, gets in the movie business and becomes this international well-known star, you know? Yet I've only heard of four of those movies, The Three yeah, Rush what? Hours and Kung Fu Panda. Uh, what? You haven't heard of Shanghai Noon? You haven't seen the Karate Kid remake? Oh, that's right. I know of the Karate Kid remake. I haven't seen it. Mm. I've seen Rumble in the Bronx and then some of those other more mainstream ones, but that's it. No one's ever seen Drunken Master? I, I grew up with Jackie Chan. I've seen The Drunken Master. Yeah, my I've seen most of Jackie Chan's films. Like, far too young. Like, my first R-rated movies. You know, a part of me actually considered putting in as an option the bloopers from Rush Hour 2. Oh, my God. <laughs> Damn, he ain't going to be in Rush Hour 3. <laughs> that, I predict that to be the winner. That scene with Don Cheadle when he's like, his name is Lee, God damn it. And he is like so freaking funny. Oh, oh I have God. such fond memories of those uh, I, movies growing up. I think Shanghai Noon is really underrated too. Noon and Nights are fucking hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right, so everybody, let's, uh, you know, take a stab at that poll on nextbestpicture.com. Cast your vote. Let us know what you think is probably the best Jackie Chan movie, your favorite Jackie Chan movie. Uh, There's no right or wrong answer here, so have at it. All right, and now we have uh, two trailers to review here really quickly because uh, Michael actually has to bounce out of here. uh, So we're going to speed through this pretty fast. Uh, But, you know, first one up is going to be Woody Allen's film, which is premiering this week at NYFF called Wonder Wheel starring Kate Winslet. Let's take a look at this one. Coney Island, 1950s. The beach, the boardwalk. I work here on Bay 7. Enter Carolina. Excuse me. Do you know if Jenny's here? I'm Jenny. I'm Humpty's daughter. Here's wife. Is he gonna be surprised? I'm marked. They're gonna kill me. That's what you get when you marry a gangster. Uh, I gotta have a drink. No, Humpty, you've been good. Damn it! Miss, you can't be out here right now. We're expecting lightning storms. When you're married to a man who got rich putting people's feet in cement, you probably never had to do a dish. Your wife don't like to go fishing anymore, huh? She made like she liked it. To get me on the hook, I was the fish. You know she's a marked woman. Should she move on? I know where all the bodies are buried. Did he, did he kiss you? Why are you getting so heated? I'm gonna find. Is pounding. Everything's coming apart. You look a little crazy to me. When it comes to love, we often turn out to be our own worst enemy. I know what it is you did. Well, don't you think you're being a little melodramatic? Well, I'm glad I stuck around for this one. Yeah, well, I mean, I try to keep you in mind. <laughs> um, Vittorio Storaro's cinematography, um, as Fuck. I mentioned before, I put it into cinematography and I kind of kicked out uh, uh, Wonderstruck. I was very taken aback by the visuals in this trailer. I was not expecting it to be this freaking, like, just striking with its colors, colors and its lighting. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. wonder what will get nominated. <laughs> <laughs> will wonders never cease? 
Um, you know what underwhelmed me? Kate Winslet. Huh. Really? Yeah, I'm not as sold on it now as I once was. I think they're hiding some things about the character from what I understand. Yeah. There's some developments that you can't really put in a trailer. Just like Midnight in Paris in the trailer didn't talk about what the movie was. Mm-hmm. There's some stuff here in terms of character development that I think they want to keep under wraps for now. And it's a very short trailer. It's only like a minute and a half. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Deanne, what do you think? Oh, I'm excited. I, I, I mean, he typically writes kind of interesting female characters, like Blue Jasmine, for example. So I, I think that there's definitely a possibility that this was more nuanced of a performance than it looks like in the trailer. She plays an actress, and then there's something with the mob it looks like. Uh, everyone looks good here, Jim Belushi especially. Uh, you know what? Honestly, I couldn't tell that from the trailer at all. What, the, that he was good or that it was Jim Belushi? Both. <laughs> um, I, I think that Winslet and Timberlake were more the focus on this, and I did not see anything in the trailer that indicated to me that Jim Belushi is giving an Academy Award performance of any kind. I didn't say Academy Award, but he sort of reminds me of like Andrew Dice Clay in Blue Jasmine. Very like all right. this comedic actor who's going to show up and give an unexpected performance that we don't see from him. Sure, but I don't care about that. I care about the Oscars. <laughs> um, Screenplay, I don't see it. I, I really see this being cinematography in, in Winslet. I don't see it going else, elsewhere. Anybody else? We always have to consider Alan, especially if he's on top. So, I mean, it could happen if it shakes out that way, if they really like the movie. I, I, I think this needs to be like literally like a 98 around Tomatoes, like unanimous praise in order for it to contend this late in the game. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Amazon has it. I'm sure it'll do good box office because his good movies tend to do very, very well. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see if it is good. <laughs> I think when you screen it at the Jesus. New York Film Festival and give it a December release, that's usually a very good sign. I don't know. Allen it didn't movie. work out so well for Last Flag Flying at this point. Uh, no, I'm saying Woody Allen specifically because he's usually like middle of summer. Yeah, yeah that's true. Okay, and then our second trailer for this week, like I said, I'm sorry guys, we're rushing through these uh, pretty quickly here, is uh, Dan Gilroy's follow-up film to Nightcrawler. This one stars Denzel Washington, and it is called Roman J. Period Israel, comma, Esquire, dot, worst fucking title this year. <laughs> Mr. Ramirez was told he was not under arrest, and yet he was refused use of the bathroom. That's a violation of civil rights. You can wait and address this at trial. Oh, I would like to address it now. I'm just saying, well, Mr. Israel, if guards in this courtroom would not allow you to use the bathroom, you would, by all definition, be detained. I'm going to hold you in contempt if you continue to pursue this. You're asking me to obey an erroneous court decision, and you tell me to wait. In my experience, wait. Okay, find you in contempt. Voluntary manslaughter, it's a good deal. It's an enema of sunshine. Sorry for taking a nanosecond off of your assembly line rubber stamp existence. Hello? Everybody looking at you crazy. Roman Israel. We'll talk about what to expect if you are arrested. We're gonna rap. I don't mean hip hop. I'm sorry. Why are the sisters standing and the brothers sitting? As gendered and sexist. And and polite. And patronizing. And polite. This law firm is running deficit for years. You're firing me? You were the cornerstone of activism. You're inspiring. I'm tired of doing the impossible for the ungrateful. And you gotta make a living. Take care of yourself. I am. I know what CJ's hold up. What's that worth? A lot. Don't tell nobody. <laughs> 
everything we discuss will be confidential. The man who did it, I know where he is. I want to reward Tash. The world is full of wonderful things. Well, what do you think? When can I move in? I just heard something about you from a solid source. You knew where I was. God! I got you. Anytime I want. God! These are dangerous people. Roman, I'm concerned about you. I went to war last night. Night, 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 night. I've been dealing with depression ever since I had a lesson that can never... You don't just walk away from this. I can never take the lead. I can never... I'm not walking away. I can finish this. Each one of us is greater than the worst thing we've ever done. Yeesh. Can anyone tell me what this film is about? Yeah, it looks like it has like five different plot threads. And like, I'm intrigued. But from what I've heard, that transfers to the movie where it's like seven different things going on at once. Just a bunch of messy, unconnected, not unconnected, but somewhat unconnected ideas with a really good Denzel Washington performance that just isn't enough. And it I look poorly. I, oh, sorry. No, yeah, I'm I'm intrigued, but it I can't say it looks good. It looks poorly edited. Like you have him going back to back in this trailer with different hairstyles and different looks, and it looks like this movie's going to be a bunch of flashbacks that don't really come together in the right way. Yeah, I think it was trying to highlight too for him kind of those dismissive one-liners as as kind of like Nightcrawler had. That was what you know some of Gyllenhaal's best stuff, but this is nowhere near as good as Nightcrawler was. So I I, I and he, I don't see Denzel getting in. I, I just don't think there's enough there. Yeah, does it worry anybody that with Denzel being such a uh, fringe contender that we're heading for another Oscar so white in all the acting categories? Oh, yeah, I, that's that's extremely concerning. I mean, I think Get Out still can get in for picture, but that... Maybe Octavia Spencer. Yeah, and Octavia might get in. No, <laughs> I've seen the movie. I don't think it's enough. <laughs> Although she is quite enjoyable in the film, um, I will say. And I still have her in my 10. I just don't have her contending in my top six let's say it all comes down to mudbound and matt will know soon once he sees that but even if mudbound is well liked i don't think anyone's predicting well mary j blige maybe right Um, yeah i have mary j blige in um i have jason mitchell in my 10 and i have the film also getting in for i believe adapted screenplay and picture but there's the netflix factor Mm. so well you know going back to uh roman j israel esquire um what a terrible title. Um, Denzel is on shaky ground, and there is a lot of expectation for him to perform here, and hopefully the fact that he is Denzel and he is great uh, is enough. I got nothing else really to add to this trailer. It really didn't do anything for me at all. Yeah, it doesn't look too promising, which is a shame because Dan Gilroy did a great job with Nightcrawler. He really did. Really, really did. Okay, Michael, you have to go. I apologize we went a little uh, a little long. Michael, where can they find you on Twitter? As always, you can find me on Twitter at Mike Movie. Hello, everyone. This is JD from the In Session Film Podcast. Each week, we review the latest from Hollywood, California. Well, yes, Brendan. We also give top three lists. Okay, yeah. Thanks again, Brendan. Additionally, you can hear us talk other movie news, trailers, varying movie series, or other interesting film-related topics, and even rants and raves of the week. That's correct, Brendan. On top of our main show, every Friday, you can also hear our extra film podcasts. Good job, Brendan. 
Thank you, JD. It's my goal to make you proud. You're the father after all. <laughs> yes, and I'm very proud. Uh, you can listen to the In Session Film podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or at InSessionFilm.com. Brendan, will you please let me complete just one? Nope. Oh, for heaven's sake. Listen to the In Session Film podcast every Monday and Friday. Subscribe today and hear me verbally beat JD like a Cherokee drum. No, 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 no. That's not how this works, sir. Hey, no, you, you, no, no, you no. go cry at Midnight Special again, oh, okay? That's okay. what you're I good will. for. I will. You know what? And I'll do it while pummeling you. I'll do both at the same time. How are you going to pummel me? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't buy it. That's just how <laughs> it works. Okay, Michael had to uh, get out of here, uh, unfortunately. Uh, get out, pun. No? Hey. Okay. <laughs> and uh, Will, you have some news that you just want to run through very, very quickly? Yeah. All right. So Anthony Hopkins, Emma Thompson, and Jim Broadbent will be starring in a modern-day adaptation of King Lear, Shakespeare's King Lear for Amazon. You know, that sound, that's a very juicy part for any actor, and Hopkins will no doubt slay. So, potentially, Anthony could be looking at another nomination next year, since Amazon seems to be better at campaigning than Netflix. Rumor has it that Ryan Murphy might be directing Glenn Close in the Sunset Boulevard remake. What? Yeah, which, um, you know, I mean, he did a good job with American Horror Story, but it's not really who I was expecting. Uh, I'm sure Michael, if he were here, would shit himself over that. Yeah, what do you guys think about that? Well, he also did that, you know, Betty Davis... Feud, yeah. The feud, right, which kind of seems like maybe... um, This is maybe what inspired that a little bit, uh, taking this lead. It means we might get... I mean, he'll certainly play up the dramatic elements. I feel like it could really tend into the campy, though, which may or may not work if we want to see Glenn get her Oscar. Um, We mentioned Roger Deakins. He signed on to his next film, which will be John Crowley's The Goldfinch, an adaptation of that book that everybody's mom read in their book clubs. Um, And it's going to have Ansel Elgort in the lead. John Crowley had a good natural eye in Brooklyn, so hopefully when team with Deacons, and if Deacons doesn't win this year, then maybe they can come back around if that happens to be a Best Picture contender, and then win for that. Uh, the long, fluctuating, and purgatory Hostile starring Christian Bale was acquired for a... Oh, it tw- was? Yeah, uh, Byron Allen's Entertainment Studios uh, bought it, and it's going to get a December release date. Oh, you're kidding. No. Oh, that's unfortunate. I was hoping that this could be a spring contender and it could, you know, maybe have some legs. Um, no, it's coming out this I, year. I don't see this going. I don't see this going anywhere then. Yeah, I agree. Maybe Max Richter's score or something. But yeah, I think this is going to just kind of get lost in the shuffle. That is that is very, very unfortunate because I've heard Christian Bale is astounding and the cinematography I've heard is great. Yeah, and maybe, you know, it's a weak best actor lineup. Maybe Bale could sneak in, but I'm not seeing it. Um, Brett Ratner is going to be directing the Hugh Hefner biopic starring Jared Leto. The news comes a week after Hugh passed away. Um, We'll see. Those are two people that the internet is not a big fan of, so I feel like we're just going to see a lot of complaining about this movie for like the next two years. Uh, Brett Ratner, it's funny, we were talking about Jackie Chan earlier, Brett Ratner has done some good films, like the first two Rush Hours, and then Brett Ratner has done some very bad films, so we will see how that goes. I feel like he's such a frat boy director type that I can't help but feel like he's going to encourage 
Jared Leto to get into his method acting. Yeah, what is Leto's method acting going to be in this? Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm a little worried. I'm scared. Yeah, and Margot Robbie, I think, is rumored. Is is he just, like, going to go to bars and, like, pick up women and be like, yeah, I have to do this. He might actually go up to Margot and, you know, try to make a move. You never know. I mean, that'd be one beautiful. That would be one beautiful kid. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> no, that's true. I choose apathy on this movie. I choose complete apathy. There you go. There, there you go. Nothing else needs to be said. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a fan uh, of this idea. You know, but I'm not surprised it was Brett Ratner. Apparently, he's tried to style his entire mansion around the Playboy Mansion. So, like, he's always apparently had dreams of being. Hugh Hefner, basically. What a fucking tool. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, I hate Brett Ratner so much for ruining X-Men back in the 2000s. Oh, man, that was so now. bad. And, and then don't forget, he almost uh, he almost helmed the Oscars in 2011, and then he, we would have gotten Eddie Murphy as a host, which would have been great, and then he had to go and make some really homophobic remarks. That's, that's why I hate him. It's just not a... Just such a... Oh, just such an immature child. <laughs> All right, so then we have Kathy Bates, Justin Thoreau, and Sam Waterston are going to join Army Hammer and um, Felicity Jones in On the Basis of Sex, the Ruth Bader Ginsburg biopic. Um, Michael has voiced his d- displeasure with this project several times, but he's not on here, so next time we talk about the film, we'll let him give his thoughts on that. Um, Matt, you'll like this. Raman Jawadi, uh, as a sign of the fact that Game of Thrones is wrapping up, is re-entering the world of feature films. He's going to be scoring Ava DuVernay's A Wrinkle in Time, which almost certainly will give him a lot of opportunities to show off a great and creative score. I really want him to get nominated for an Oscar since he has not gotten an Emmy for his incredible work in Game of Thrones. Yeah, I, I think I think that that is something that oh just needs to happen to make me feel better. <laughs> I, I want him to win something because, I mean, honestly, his his Thrones music is some of the best TV music of all time. So yes, yeah, undoubtedly, I, that's a soundtrack that still gets replay uh, listens from me. Just casually walking down the street, you know, I mean, <laughs> that music is phenomenal. All right, here's a fun one. Um, there's a script floating around Hollywood right now called Cuba Gooding Jr. Must Die, where it it is um, it involves O.J. Simpson getting parole and then hunting down and planning to murder Cuba Gooding Jr. for his portrayal of him in American Horror Story or in American what? Crime Story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's floating around town. We'll see if because of legal reasons if it ever actually gets made, but that's just so fucking absurd I thought I had to share it. It makes no sense. It's just, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, I have never heard it said Cuba before. Is it Cuba? I, I, <laughs> I always thought it was Cuba, but maybe I don't know. Maybe it's Cuba. <laughs> Cuba, would make, Cuba would make a lot more. Wow. Cuba would make so much more sense. God damn it. Um, and then finally, Kate Winslet's joining Avatar. So it's been 20 years, but we're going to get a Titanic reunion. With her and James Cameron. Mm, I really just want Leonardo DiCaprio to join up just so that we can finally say, see, see, Leo does blockbuster filmmaking too. Yeah. Because he's never, he he's he's like the only Hollywood actor, I think, that's never whored himself out to a franchise or anything like that. Yeah, I think so. It's crazy. Well, the only like A-list actor, yeah. Oh, um, and this comes hot off the news that that production's going to have a $1 billion budget, which is... um. It's a lot of money. Like, 
I, particularly since I feel like nobody cares about Avatar anymore, and even fewer people will care about Avatar in two years when this comes out. Uh, or isn't it even longer? Was it like 2020 when it comes out? So, you know, I, I'm very skeptical, but I was skeptical when the first Avatar came out, and then it made bank, so who knows? I want to remind everybody about something. Every single time James Cameron makes a film, and I know I know what you're thinking. We really only have Titanic and Avatar in the last 20 years as reference. But those two times he made a film, the press were talking about how the movies were going to be box office bombs. They were going to be failures, that there was absolutely no way that they were going to be successful. And here we are. Yeah, I mean, obviously never doubt the guy. He knows how to pull a rabbit out of his ass, but... People will see it. It's going to make tons of money. You got Disneyland putting in a land. I mean, but what's so interesting is I literally have only seen this movie one time. How many times have you guys seen it? Oh, yeah, oh only once. I, I saw it. I saw it five times in the movie theater. Fuck, oh, really? Wow. Okay, all right. I yeah. wasn't even that big a fan when it came out. <laughs> you were bought in. I, I, wa- I was at the time. <laughs> I was on the Hurt Locker train that whole year, so I, I never really got Oh, no, 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 no. I was on the Hurt Locker train as well. I saw the Hurt Locker uh, two times in the movie theater, and then it was gone. <laughs> um, and I've seen the Hurt Locker countless times, and it's my number one favorite film of 2009 by far. Um, Avatar, I don't even think is in my top ten. But Avatar was an experience, and it was a movie that I kept on bringing people to the theater to see it with because, well, at the time, I got free I got free movies. Um so that was part of the reason why I saw it five times. I didn't actually pay to see it five times. I, I don't know if I should say that. Um, <laughs> but I kept bringing people with me to see it because the 3D was just unlike anything I'd ever seen before. So Yeah, and that is all my news for this week. So, yes. You know, every time you say yes at the end of a sentence, I always get reminded of this one throwaway line in The Aviator when he's at like the premiere of, uh, of his movie. And the interviewer is like asking him... Uh, Howard Hughes, can you tell us what it was like making this fabulous picture? And then, like, Leonardo DiCaprio, like, leans into the mic and he just goes, yes. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I've actually often like styled myself off of DiCaprio's performance in that, you know, with, like, the whole, uh, the hypochondriac nature, the germaphobe. Yeah, I take a lot of DiCaprio and Howard Hughes, so I'm okay with that, Matt. Show me all the blueprints. <laughs> Uh, alrighty. Uh, anything uh, else that you guys want to touch upon? Our dearly departed Michael, uh, unfortunately, can't contribute right now. May he rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, we get a new trailer for the for the Last Jedi on Monday. Yeah, by the time this is up, uh, people uh, maybe if they're listening to it later in the week, they will have already seen it. I'm really excited. I'm wondering if this is a late-breaking surprise uh, that is going to dumbfound all of us with our Oscar predictions. No, because it's pretty clearly just a beat-for-beat remake of The Empire Strikes Back. Like, it's. I think they got away with it in Force Awakens, but a a second time around, if they do the exact same thing, I think people are going to start being like, okay. Like, it's still going to make a lot of money, and it's still going to get good reviews, but I think... 
the benefit of the doubt that Force Awakens got for just completely rehashing A New Hope may not work as well, quite as well this time, which is to say I think this is only going to stick around in tech nominations. Do you agree, Deanne? I agree, yes. Are you a big Star Wars fan, Deanne? (laughs) I'm a mild Star Wars fan. Good. I I wouldn't call myself crazy, but I get excited and I look forward to it. And I like the last two, but I'm not a nut. Yeah, good. I'm the same same exact (laughs) way. I like the movies. I think they're fine. And uh, that, you know, I get excited as well. I'm not a geek. I'm a geek for a lot of I'm things. I'm a geek. But not, <laughs> not for say, I'm a geek too, but yeah, yeah. not for that. <laughs> a, a lot of people just like shouted, he loves Game of Thrones. Yeah, right. you, know, I, like you are I totally all do. geeks. <laughs> okay, uh, that'll just about do it then uh, for myself as well. I don't really have anything else to add. I know I talked a lot, especially in the first half of this uh, podcast over here. But thank you guys so much for uh, being on. Deanne, especially, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, we loved having you on last week. We love having you on again this week. Please tell all of our listeners where they can find you on the internet. Yes, I, you enjoyed this last time, so I'll do it again. At TweedledeeDee33, D-E-E-D-E-E 33. D-E-E-D-E-E 33. <laughs> it's like it's rehearsed, you know? It's like <laughs> it's like she's practiced saying it. <laughs> Will, where can I find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Mavericks Movies. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening to episode 59 of the Next Best Picture podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, CastBox. I don't know. Maybe one of them you're listening to it on. Be sure to head over to iTunes, though, and give us a review on there. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Nothing less than five stars is acceptable in our eyes. But be honest. We appreciate honesty all around. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you all next time. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.